What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is beyond the box score. Two simple people here for you, Adam Azer and Dan Schneier. Jacob Gibbs is sick today and not able to join the show, and he is going to miss a lot because we are going to give you, of course, some awesome stats, and including some from Jacob via email. Uh, you're not going to read the email. I'm going to read it to you. And we are going to talk about the Cardinals now likely without Marquise Brown for the season. That is a crusher. Third most targets in football among wide receivers. He is the number six wide receiver in PPR. Foot injury and likely out for the season along with starting guard Justin Pugh. What happens now to the Cardinals offense as they get DeAndre Hopkins back? I'm Adam Azer with Dan Schneier here. We're also going to talk about last night's game and some more big topics including the Packers offense sell high candidates, a general look at offense so far in the NFL, and our five favorite albums of all time. It will be toward the end of the show. I know you're I know you're looking forward to giving your spicy hot take on that. I wouldn't call it a hot take, but I am looking forward to giving my take. As you know, I'm a very opinionated person. I promise to all the listeners, I will not begin this show with a 12-minute or however long it was timed out to be rant about my league collapsing under me as the commissioner and all the fallout from that. Though some people did DM me and support me, say they enjoyed it. They've been in similar situations. One thing you should never do, Adam, I don't know if you have ever done this. I did it for the first time. I read the YouTube comments. Oh, my God. Is yeah, that no, it's bad. It you, is, YouTube I is... Uh, do it. I can't ever do it again. Yeah. Because it was not... But one of the funnier things that someone said is that they think that I get absolutely giddy whenever Jamie recognizes me or mentions me <laughs> by name. And I just thought that was really funny to point out. One thing I will say, though, before we get into Beyond the Box score, I need to clear my name because, Adam, if no, you've ever slandered... Yes, yes, yes. What do you mean stop? Do you know what you've seen the replies? People are like, this is so Bush League from Dan. I can't believe you would do this. Adam said that I went back on a bet, but the reality is I said I would honor the bet we made even though I changed my opinion on it. Adam, as a nice guy, said I'll just bet it on one of the Oh, I'll just handle it in my own way. But yeah, no, we were gonna clear, we were gonna make go a back bet. on a bet. We were gonna make a but bet, you, Chiefs Bills. Yeah. I was gonna take the Bills minus two and a half. Dan honored it. He said, okay, fine, but I changed my mind. What am I supposed to do? Like, okay, well, you have to stick to it. So then I had to go make the bet on the app, lose some of the money, you know, because it was like minus 130 or something like that. So, <laughs> but I, I did, I, we won. So all is but well. I did, I did say I would honor the bet. So I want to make you that. You did say clear, that. Let, you did. Let, let's move that. forward with some, with some week six recap. Let's do it. All right. So first let's start with the big news. We were going to talk okay. about the Cardinals offense later and we can get into it a little bit later here uh, if you want, but. Um, I might as well. This was our first big topic, and then, and then even before and that was before I knew about the Marquise Brown situation. So, assuming he's out for the season, is that official, by the way, or is it he is likely out not, for the season? Not official, likely out for. The and game. they traded for Robbie Anderson. They gave a sixth round pick and a seventh round pick to the Cardinals for Robbie Anderson. They get Hopkins. They lose Marquise Brown. I was so excited to see Kyler Murray with both wide receivers and Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz. I thought this could be really good for him, but. 
Um, what do you think now about the Cardinals going forward? Well, I wouldn't ex- immediately expect that Robbie Anderson will carve out the role that Marquise Brown had. It's not just that the targets were so heavy for Brown, and we knew that would change with Hopkins coming back, but they're different kinds of receivers, and they operate in a different area of the field. I know Brown has been at times labeled as just a deep threat specialist, but he's shown over the past two seasons, even with Lamar Jackson dating back to last year, that he can work the intermediate and short levels. That's not something I trust Robbie Anderson to do necessarily, Adam. But for me, the bigger issue remains, and that's Cliff Kingsbury in place as head coach. That will be the offensive system throughout the rest of the season. There are ways to improve this, and we'll get to this a little bit later because I think it was one of the big questions. But this is an offense that doesn't use pre-snap motion. This is an offense that hasn't ultimately changed that much throughout his tenure as the coach. And I think it's a broken offensive system. And we've seen this before with, you know, for example, Carolina this week, a lot of people like, oh, new coach in town, DJ Moore, get him in your lineup, big bump with the new coach. And that wasn't really the case because the system can't really change in season. So the quarterback changed, though. I mean, they they went to PJ Walker. And as much as we don't like Baker Mayfield, I think he's better for DJ more than PJ Walker is. And sure. I mean, as much as we don't like Cliff Kings, you don't like Cliff Kingsbury. And we'll get it. Just get into this now. You know, we won't save it for later. Okay. Um, They are 13th in total yards. They are really bad in the red zone. They are 23rd in touchdown conversion rate in the red zone. They are 28th in third down conversions. Um, and Kyler has the sixth most... I was like, well, are they always in third and long? He has the sixth most dropbacks on third down and five or longer. But he has the 19th most dropbacks on third down and seven or longer. So it's weird. It's like he probably has a lot of third and five or six. But that is a lot. I mean, to have the six most dropbacks on third down and five or longer. So obviously they're in, they're in third and five or longer a lot. Um, but I hope Hopkins can fix some of these problems, especially in the red zone. I guess the good news is we have a sample of Kyler Murray without Marquise Brown and with DeAndre Hopkins, and it's elite. It's, you know, it's one of the best uh, quarterbacks in fantasy. Well, I, yeah, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. They, obviously, it's not the same team. They have no run game. And, you know, sometimes people think that helps the quarterback. Oh, they can't run the ball. They're going to throw. Sometimes that hurts. But also, like, they can't move the ball, you know, yeah. because they can't run. And, you know, it's probably easier to rush the passer when you don't have to rush the passer when you don't have to honor the run. And you're going to be in longer third down situations when you can't run. So there are definitely some big issues here that are not just going to be solved by DeAndre Hopkins coming back. Do you think they are better with Hopkins and without Brown or with Brown and without Hopkins like we've seen for six games? That's a great question, and I think they're going to be a better team with Hopkins for mainly the the two of the things. that One thing you brought up and the other thing that's been plaguing them. One, it's the red zone offense, and that's where he really can make his hay. He's one of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL. I think in the last decade, he's one of the best body control, uh, you know, receivers from a body control standpoint in the air at adjusting those passes, and that's going to help them. And the other issue, like you mentioned earlier, was that they do actually have a decent amount of yards. They're just not really doing anything in the explosive passing game. Kyler Murray has really bad efficiency as a deep throw this year, and they're not attempting a lot of passes. And he even talked about it after the game. He said, look, we've been able to cross the 50. We haven't been able to score. And if defenses are just going to play really soft with two high safeties against us, we have to figure out a way once we get down in there and into the opponent's territory to actually turn it into points. And Hopkins can help them with that a lot more than Marquise Brown can. So I think the answer to that question is yes. The yards are really way down for Kyler Murray. So he's on pace for 4,145 yards. And last year he was on pace for 4,600 yards. Um, now that was kind of high, but, but, but not really. I mean, that's a, he can be a 44, 4,500 yard guy in 17 games. Right now he's on pace for 4,145. The touchdowns are the bigger issue. He's on pace for 17 touchdown passes. I still have faith in Kyler Murray. He's eighth per game in four point. He's 10th per game in six point. I think he's probably more like QB seven. I'd take him mm. over Dak Prescott rest of season. I don't know about Burrow. I think I'd probably take Burrow in six and Kyler in four point. Um, but I think he's still a must start and not someone, Dan, that if I have Kyler Murray, I'm not really looking to upgrade a quarterback. I'm fine with him. I think that's fair. And I think I'm with you on that despite, you know, some red flags that are obvious there, which we didn't even mention, which is Justin Pugh, who was arguably one of their best offensive linemen on an offensive line that's already bottom tier in the NFL, now out for the season with an injury. So there are issues outside of Kingsbury, but I think you're right. He he still has too much upside with his ability to run and his ability just to create plays with Hopkins coming back to the mix. I wouldn't have the same kind of faith if Hopkins wasn't coming back into the mix. I think that's the key factor here that can give us some faith. 
Yeah, it's just a shame that Marquise Brown is out. But that is a lot of targets. Right. Like I said, third most targets in football. So now you this really makes me wonder. I mean, does Rondell Moore continue to have a big role? I was everybody is saying sell high on Zach Ertz, sell high on Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, I think, has four games with double digit targets. Remember, they they've thrown the second most passes in the NFL, one behind uh the Colts, or at least Matt Ryan has one more pass attempt than Kyler Murray. I don't know if the team, there's some other pass attempts around there, but Matt Ryan leads the NFL in pass attempts. How weird is that? Dan's going to talk about that a little bit later. Kyler Murray's second. Um, They're running a ton of plays. So that's good from a PPR perspective. A lot of targets, a lot of catches, maybe not a ton of yards. But I don't know. I think I'm going to back off the Zach Ertz sell high, Dan. I think he's a tight end. He's going to be a top 10 tight end now without Marquise Brown. He may not be a top five tight end, but he's, he's a tight end and you're going to start him. I don't think you're going to be hunting the waiver wire personally if you have Ertz. So you may not, you may, I don't know you're going to get this top five, but I do think must start basically. I think that's a fair take too. I mean, we looked at the tight end landscape last week. We were even debating if Taysom Hill was a must start and then Taysom Hill goes out and plays 21% of the snaps, right? And it's just, he, you, you can see where just where the barometer is set for must start tight end is, it's not very high right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, Ron No More, somebody we'll discuss tomorrow on the waiver wire show. He's available in some leagues, but that slot role yeah. has been really valuable. And you were just you were just expecting everything to change when Hopkins came back, but you know, maybe it just won't change that much. Maybe he Hop- plays the Barkey's Brown role, right? Yeah. I mean, not not one to one, right? He's, he's yeah. gonna go downfield probably a little bit more. They're obviously different players. And I I don't really care that much about Robbie Anderson in you know messing Neither, things for up fantasy standpoint, right for correct. messing these things up for these guys i think he's depth and a deep threat he's depth and he'll play the role of hopefully which they're hoping to do opening up that middle of the field by just running those vertical routes to clear out safeties which you know hasn't worked in their favor yet but they're hoping that eventually defenses will give them those opportunities okay well welcome to the show that's topic number one <laughs> we're going to talk about the cowboys eagles game last night and dan is going to tell you about all the wonderful content we have for you on cbssports.com slash fantasy uh, as fantasy basketball season is starting. Oh, my gosh. The NBA starts tomorrow, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's wild. Wow. Um, You're a yeah. big Knicks fan, Adam, I'm a you? huge Knicks fan. Yeah. I, I wish I was a bigger Knicks fan. That's the one. Like, you, you make fun of my Mets fanhood. The one that really I deserve to be made fun of is my Knicks fanhood. I don't really think you have Knicks fanhood. I think you're not really, you're not a fan. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of you. You don't have it. I have a little bit of Knicks fanhood. Adam. I have a little bit of Knicks. Fan. They're the team I root for. I hope they win. All right. All right. Well, look, if they're good, you can hop on to the bandwagon. That's what I will we're, do. we're happy yes. to have you. Uh, so yeah. What, uh, what kind of content do we have for the people? So over at CBS Sports Fantasy, you can get a lot of different content these days. You can find what Adam just mentioned, some fantasy basketball content, which we've been building out recently over the last two seasons. Today, there's some really good articles. Start sit for week one, which I thought was excellent. And then just if you're looking for like a blocks, if you're in categories leagues, you can get a, there's a blocks boost article, player, players you can target to help you with blocks. And then every week on our site from the fantasy football standpoint, we just have excellent content that I hope you guys are consuming and enjoying. I'll highlight a few of my favorite pieces. One of my favorites from each day. My favorite from Monday is always Chris Towers' newsletter slash article, which breaks down every game, looks at things like winners and losers from those games by targeting things like snaps, targets, things that you need to know. Tuesday-wise, I love seeing Heath's previews for each position. You'll get stats to know, you'll get projections, and you'll get DFS plays there as well as waiver articles. And of course, Jamie's waiver wire article is as in-depth as you can find it. Wednesday is my favorite day because I get Dave Richards, sleeper starts, sits, bust. That to me is the most comprehensive article we have every week. I use it to set my DFS lineups. I would suggest you do the same. Then Thursday, Friday, round up with, some, with a great injury report from Tara Roberts that also has a DFS spin. And on Thursday, you can get PPR cheat sheets and uh, non-PPR cheat sheets, things of that nature to kind of just help you finalize those lineups. And of course, starter sit, waiver wire, trade charts, all there, cbssports.com slash fantasy. All right, uh, Philadelphia 26, Dallas 17. Noah Brown almost had a touchdown. He had a really nice catch. It was overturned. CeeDee Lamb played more snaps from the slot than he did out wide for the second time this season, probably to avoid Slay and Bradbury, try to get him some matchups, and it wasn't a great game for CeeDee Lamb, but you know what? Everything is about to change. He had five catches for 68 yards on 10 targets. Dak Prescott could very well start this week against the Detroit Lions, or this upcoming week, week seven, 
any major takeaways from Philadelphia 26, Dallas 17? Well, I will say this about Lamb. I was actually enthused with his with with his production or with his game despite the production because I do like to see him lined up in the slot. I feel like that's the best place for him to win early and get him really the freest two-way routes and the and and, and basically make him more of a consistent PPR play and you know, he should have had a long catch, potentially a long touchdown in this game on the interception late in the game where, mm. Cooper, where he was wide open yeah. and Cooper rushed. That ball gets there with Dak Prescott. That potentially is a touchdown for Dak Prescott, and that changes his whole box score. So I remain pretty heavy in on C.D. Lamb, and I think there's still a buy. I don't want to call medium. Maybe, I don't want to call it by high, maybe by medium on C.D. Lamb with Dak Prescott coming back. So hopefully, assume this week. Um, and then on the flip side with the Eagles, I think, look, you're not going to bench him, but you are going to get these kinds of weeks with Dallas Goddard where he just is not really much of a factor here and the passing game isn't really working that well or they just really don't need to rely on the passing game. It's not in the game script. This game, they're dominating up front in the trenches when the run game, there's no real reason to get pass heavy with what the with what the Cowboys were doing defensively. So I still think with Goddard, you got to play him every week, but you're going to have to take these kinds of weeks with the good ones as well. Well, look, I think when you look at the passing game, for the Eagles. It all looks really good right now. Uh, A.J. Brown scored. Devontae Smith scored. A.J. Brown has seven to eight targets in four of his last five games. In those games, he has scored 11.9, 14.5, 6.2, and 17.7 PPR fantasy points. Uh, For the season, A.J. Brown is the number 15 wide receiver per game. Devontae Smith is outside the top 24, But remember, he had no catches in week one. He's been much better since then. They're really not throwing that much. They're dividing it up between those three guys, Smith, Goddard, and Brown. And it is really good, but I think it's kind of sneakily holding their league-winning upside back a little bit. Like, I'm not really complaining at all about what you're getting from Brown, Smith, and Goddard. I think they're all great players, Probably must starts. I mean, they're you know Goddard and AJ Brown certainly are. Devontae Smith probably, but like Devontae Smith has four, seven, twelve, four, eleven, and five targets. Right. That's three games with four or five targets. One game with seven. So I just think there's going to be some inconsistencies there, and you know maybe you can turn him into a player who has a more consistent target volume. Um, yeah, and obviously Jalen Hurts doesn't throw a ton of touchdowns because he rushes for some touchdowns. What do you think about the Cowboys running backs? You know, we've been asked, we're going to get uh, one of our topics later is sell high candidates. And one of the things we're going to talk about then is running backs in shared backfields who are coming off of good games. And are those feel like James Robinson, Jeff Wilson, guys that you look back and go, damn, you know, I probably should have sold high on them. What do you think, though, about Zeke? Because you could easily see a case where their offense takes off now with Dak back and, and Zeke's a pretty good fantasy option. Yeah, Zeke is not a player I'd be looking to sell right now because I think with Zeke, there's a difference between selling high on a player like maybe a Jeff Wilson or a Robinson. With Zeke, there is just this kind of assumed, I don't know if I want to call it assumed, Adam, but there is this feeling in the fantasy community that when you try to trade Zeke Elliott, you don't really feel like you're getting much of a return. There's no enthusiasm with the other side looking to trade for him. He's been around the league for a while. He's struggled in a lot of the efficiency metrics, including this season. He hasn't topped 100 yards in a really long time. And he ultimately, from the eye test, doesn't to me look like the same player he was earlier in his career. But he still can be a fantasy asset if this offense reaches the levels it reached with Dak Prescott before his injury, because that was an offense that was moving the ball up and down the field in scoring position a lot and utilizing him specifically more in the passing game. That's one thing where he'll get a boost. Dak Prescott will utilize him more in the passing game. So he's a hold for me. I wouldn't sell low on him right now. That's fair. Well, I think it's so high because he just came off of 81 yards and a touchdown. And then high for him, right? Yeah. He's got Detroit this week. He's got Chicago next. uh, He's got Detroit in week seven, Chicago in week eight. Those could be positive game scripts for Zeke. I I definitely see a good case for Zeke. I also feel like I was on on HQ earlier today and he was one of the winners for Jamie. And I just thought, like, how many weeks is Zeke a winner and then a loser? Oh, he's a winner. Because he scored and this and that. Oh, he's a loser because Tony Pollard did this and they're not throwing to him. And it's just, I'm just wondering if it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster with Zeke and now is the right time to, to get rid of him. Uh, but I'm not convinced of that. I'll throw that. I'll let, the, I'll let you all out there ponder that. The fact that they have Detroit and Chicago the next two weeks right. you know, gets me off of that thought a little bit. 
got to wait at least for that Lions game, I feel like, to really build that case. Now you can go to your trade partners like, look, he has two back-to-back weeks. Dak Prescott's about, you know, you start to sell those narratives. Right, right. Well, that's coming up. So, all right, some news and notes here. Carson Wentz, fractured finger. Kenny Pickett's probably going to be out next week. If a player suffers a concussion, you should now, with the new protocols, expect them to miss the next week, as we saw with Chris Olave. Um, Hopefully getting Tua back this week. Uh, as the Rams go into their bye, it looks like this is the end of the Cam Akers ro- uh, ride with the Rams. Najee Harris played with a steel plate in his shoe <laughs> for the yeah. first five games. He's He ditched it, and he says he's 100% now, Dan. What do you think about now? It's not like he had a great game. He did catch a touchdown wide open. But no more steel plate in the shoe for Najee Harris. I mean, to me... This doesn't really change much for me on Najee Harris. It's not really a talent issue for me with Harris. It's a combination of all things, the offense, the usage. Yeah, he caught that wide-open touchdown, like you said, but look at how disappointing his game was anyway in a game where the game script was actually supposed to work in his favor because the Steelers had a lead for the entire game. And so ultimately, he's still not a player I'd be trying to trade for right now. All right, let's see if I have a few more news items for you here. Uh, Jalen Waddle has a shoulder injury that might linger. This one's pretty important. Yep. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. Waddle and Najee Harris facing each other. Steelers Dolphins this week. Cameron Braid has a neck injury. Wasn't a concussion. Um, Deion Jackson's got that quad injury. They're at Tennessee, and we don't know about. I expect one of Hines or Taylor to come back this week, but it could be Philip Lindsay. Dalton Schultz tweaked his knee pregame and was not able to play. Uh, Philadelphia right tackle Lane Johnson left with a concussion. That was a pretty big deal for them, but they're going into their bye, so hopefully he can get back. The Saints have a Thursday game at Arizona. They will not. They are not expected to have Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, or Marshawn Lattimore. Chris Olave has a better chance to play. Uh, P.J. Walker left the concussion. Could be Jacob Eason this week. Aaron Rodgers said that Green Bay needs to simplify things. They will be without Randall Cobb for the foreseeable future. He may have had a high ankle sprain. And that's ba- Oh, uh, some offensive line stuff. San Francisco lost offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey. Ravens right tackle Morgan Moses left with an injury. Rams left tackle Joe Noteboom is out for the year with an Achilles injury. That's a big loss for them. Um, all right, I can pretty much stop there. I would say one thing on the Packers note, because, you know, that offense looks as broken as it's been since really... LaFleur got here even in those first games I know they took some time to get into that system and then really caught stride with it Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVPs now so it's not like I think this offense is dead but one thing that's interesting to me Randall Cobb was the player that he trusted the most in this offense he played a lot of the reason he played so much is because of that rapport that they had built over the years but in his absence Robert Tunyon actually had that's a good point a season-high 74% route participation, and before that, it was 62%. And he led the and he led the targets with a 27, or sorry, the Packers with a 27% target share. So I feel like Tunyon right now, Big Bob, is somebody who I would be looking to get on my team if I need tight end help. That's a great point, and he is sixth, uh, fifth actually, tied for fifth in catches among mm-hmm. tight ends. He has one more catch than Dallas Goddard, Robert Tunyon. Okay, yeah, he'll be talked about on the show tomorrow. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will give you some of the stats that you need to know, and then we'll we'll go through our five big topics, including the Packers offense, sell-high candidates, offense in general in the NFL, and our five favorite albums of all time. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Dan, let's get steady. What do you got for me? All right, let's start 
with the one that stood out the most to me, and it's the Indianapolis Colts. Why did it stand out the most to me, Adam? Because when you have a failing and flailing offense like the Colts have been for most of this season, really going into two Thursdays ago or their game two weeks ago, I think they they scored the fewest points in the NFL. You need to do you need to look for things like ultimately like massive changes within the scheme or within the play calling that could potentially change the fantasy landscape. And I think we've seen that now for the Colts. They had a season high eighty eight percent of their situation-neutral plays that they decided to pass on this week versus 60% prior to week six. So what does that mean? Situation-neutral plays means, based on the analytics, these plays could be called pass or run, um, you know, just based on the efficiency of the play, the projected efficiency of the play. And on those situations, they decided to pass 88% of the time versus 60% of the time. Does also, it, does it not... Go ahead. Does it not, you know, get rid of... You know, being down ten points in the fourth quarter, also where you're. No, that that factors into a situation neutral race. So right, 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 right. You're right. So, so yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. if you're up by a lot, you're expected to 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 run more, and if you're down by a lot, you're expected to pass more. Right. Um. So these are situation neutral plays when there's really it's just a neutral situation. You could either pass or run. They decided to pass twenty eight percent of the time more than their than their previous uh week high. Also, going into the game, their no huddle rate was just five point three percent. Set 22nd most in the NFL. They ran no huddle 47% of the time. The third wow. highest rate in any game. So really, they changed a lot of what they did in this game. They did up-tempo, no huddle, and they threw a lot. And it led to a season-high 75% or 75 total offensive snaps. And also, it led to their most points by a two-touchdown difference of any game they've had all year. So if you're the Colts and you watch and you you know you watch the film back on this game, you look at the key changes you've made, use an insane amount more no huddle, you start to pass more in neutral situations. Do you go back and try to do what wasn't working, even though it may have worked last year, or do you kind of transition to an offense that may be more pass heavy, may have more a lot more plays, may have a lot more situations where they're throwing the ball downfield and opportunities for that? And all of that leads to good things for fantasy, even for a player like Jonathan Taylor, who we expect back this week. I think it's better, honestly, if they're throwing more and moving the ball more and scoring more. Even if he gets fewer touches, the touches will count for more and they'll be in better spots for scoring fantasy points. So to me, this rang alarm bells. Like, I think the Colts will stick with this. I think this will be a part of their game plan moving forward, specifically the no huddle and the tempo. And I think that's a really good thing for Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman, and ultimately Jonathan Taylor as well. Especially if he catches passes. Now, if Taylor and Hines both play, Right. Then I don't know what that would mean for Taylor if they stick with this offense. Well, it would mean that when they're in these situations where they're going to a huddle, one back is staying on the field. It's got to be Taylor. I mean, you can't like you can't have a game. I don't care what what's successful. You can't have a game plan that doesn't involve Jonathan Taylor. But he was running a lot of routes uh, before his injury. I mean, I can look it up. It'd be the first what first four weeks. First four weeks. Yeah, he's missed the last two. Okay, so I'll I'll go ahead and look into that in a moment. Uh, There were other teams that changed their offense, right? Well, the Colts were the ones that had a radical change. The only thing there were other offensive notes I wanted to point out here that stood yeah. out to me, Adam. And I could start with the Bucks here. The Bucks are a team, you know, we've talked about them a bunch on this show. We thought I thought we thought that maybe they were going back to, you know, just allowing Tom Brady to really run the offense and have it be similar to the Bruce Arian style. But I just feel like there's been a really philosophical change in this team with Todd Bowles as head coach, because they still have Byron Leftwich, you know, working with Brady to run the offense. But just look, think, listen to these numbers, Adam, because um, yesterday, you know, they had they ran the ball a lot in situations that didn't think they should run the ball. So the Bucks are they have the sixth best EPA, and EPA is like expected points added per play. It's just another advanced metric per drop back this year, but the thirty second EPA per rush attempt this year. It's a massive difference right there, and just shows how inefficient their run game has been. But they're also twentieth in neutral situation first down pass rate. So they're bot- they're they're not bottom in the league there, but they're bottom third. And these are just not numbers you want to see from from a Bucks offense. Because there were some positives to take away, like specifically player wise, Chris Godwin, ninety one percent route participation, and he had thirty one percent target share. Those are the numbers you can look forward and be like, okay, they're finally getting him going. But I just feel like this passing game isn't an issue right now from an efficiency standpoint. It's an issue from a volume standpoint. And they really need to figure out volume. A way to get back. I don't know. I mean, they've thrown like 50, 50, and 40 passes the last three weeks. But they really should be throwing more like they were throwing in the past seasons, though. I mean, just I don't know how much you look more at, can you throw? Well, when you're 32nd in rush per in rush EPA per play, you really shouldn't be rushing the ball very often. I think you should have more of like kind of that, you know, old school 2021 Josh Allen style. Bill's offense, which is like almost throw every play and use the passing game as an extension of the run game. 
I uh, guess, but, but they've, they've they've thrown 144 passes in the last for three sure. games. The, the raw numbers are there, for sure, and that's good for fantasy, but they're not a team that can run the football right now with the, with the way they're blocking, with the injuries on the offensive line, and with whatever's left of Leonard Fournette this season. Um, so I just feel like the one specific number there, the 20th that stood out to me, the 20th in neutral first down pass rate. Specifically, they have mm-hmm. to pass the ball more in my mind in first on first down situations. And ultimately, I would become well, a more even more pass heavy team when I'm when I'm rushing. Can you the ball look that forward. up in the last three games? Um, I would have to go back. I can't do it at this moment. I right. have to go back through true media, but I can come back to you with that. Yeah, I'd be interested to know because they, they yeah. certainly seem to have changed their philosophy. Even the last four games. I mean, it's four straight games with 42 or more pass attempts. Uh, now, three of those games, did they beat the Chiefs? No, they lost to the Chiefs. Three of those games are losses. So keep that in mind. They're three yep. and three, and they lost to Green Bay. They lost to Kansas City, and they lost at Pittsburgh somehow. Uh, another team that changed their offense was the Bengals. The Bengals are hoping they got things figured out, and I'm not necessarily convinced because the Saints' defense is just not really what it once was, and they didn't have Lattimore in this game. But they ran two plays from under center all game. They were in the shotgun the entire game. The only two plays were a quarterback sneak and a kneel down. Uh, but they weren't really throwing the ball much further downfield. Um. They were getting, I think, a lot of yards after catch. One thing Joe Burrow said was like they were just taking what the defense was giving them, throwing a lot to Tyler Boyd, you know, throwing I think they were throwing to him on third down. And then he said that eventually they were able to get the Saints to be a little bit more aggressive defensively because they were picking them apart right. underneath. So you're hoping this is the start of something for their offense. Um, but I just thought really interesting. They were in the shotgun the entire game except for a QB sneak and a kneel down. And you gotta love if you look at the kind of the route chart of that game. One other thing to add to that, Adam, you have to love that the Bengals did make a concerted effort to diversify and expand the route tree for Jamar Chase, and it made a clear difference. They used him in different ways than they have, yeah. Which is something we talked about, I think, on last week's show here, or one of the mailbags, and that's great sign moving forward because Jamar Chase has been one of the bigger disappointments. And I think moving forward now, you can kind of look at him as somebody who can you can count on on a weekly basis, which which wasn't exactly the case for for most of the first five weeks. Okay, here are some stats that I wanted to throw out there. New uh, yeah. New England rookie wide receiver Tyquan Thornton. Yes. He has six catches this season. Three of them have been on wide receiver screens. <laughs> so somebody asked, is he viable? I, I mean, I think he's going to have to be a little bit more diverse. And, and Bailey Zappi's very conservative, doesn't really throw the ball downfield. But, boy, his touchdown was like a one-yard touchdown. He left his his man in the dust. Yeah. His speed was on display. But so far, it's been a little gimmicky with Tyquan Thornton. Three wide receiver screens on six catches. Uh, I'll here- take this time to push hard for Tyquan Thornton if I can, Adam. Yeah. Because he was a player who I wrote about in the pre-draft period when me and Dave do our scouting of these players. I thought he was the best value of any player before the draft at the wide receiver position. He ended up going in round two, which no one expected. He's supposed to be around three or four pick. So Patriots obviously saw something, too. His route participation this week was 73%, which is really excellent stuff. His target share was 17%, and a target rate, targets per route run of 19%. That's really good stuff, too. I just really like the narrative, Adam, of a, the rookie receiver working with the rookie quarterback. This is long, and this is assuming if Bailey Zappi gets another start. I really like the narrative of that because they're working together all throughout camp. They're working together in the offseason before that throughout OTAs. They're building that rapport. They know where they're going to be. The timing is right, and they have trust there. Bailey Zappi obviously has a clear trust in Saquon Thornton. I believe in the talent as well. So I actually think he's a viable potential option for as long as Zappi is the quarterback. Yeah, and you know what? They, they didn't exactly come out and say Mac Jones is our guy when he's healthy. So yeah, but it is Belichick. I wouldn't expect him to say it like anything. True. I, I wouldn't read. Yeah. Here are your top seven running backs in routes run this year. Devin Singletary is number one. He has run the most wow. routes. Leonard Fournette is number two. Christian McCaffrey is number three. Daryl Henderson is fourth. Joe Mixon five. Saquon Barkley six. Aaron Jones seven. Uh, however, in this group, it is McCaffrey and Fournette, and and Mixon, who are getting a ton of targets per route run. Whereas Singletary, Barkley, and Aaron Jones are in the 16 to 18% range of targets per route run. You know, Fournette, uh, Fournette, McCaffrey, and uh, Mixon are all 21% or more. Daryl Henderson, though, is being targeted on only 11.8% of his routes. But I, I do like the fact that he's running a ton of routes. He has been all year. They just have to throw the ball to him. Speaking of which, Kareem Hunt played 12 snaps and ran nine routes on third down alone. Did not have a single target in the game. 
<laughs> you like that role, but Brissett just does not throw to his running backs, really. And where are we supposed to get? Where, what's that Jamie bet that you have? Was that you and 60 Jamie? Catches, with the, with the, yep, 60 oh catches. Yep. 60 catches. He must be getting crushed on that bet. He is now. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was, that was a big setback for Kareem. Hunt. <laughs> uh, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds both played seven snaps on third down. Both ran five or six routes. Their, their snap counts weren't that different, but it's just weird. When, when Chase Edmonds yeah. is on the field, he just does not get the ball ever. Dan, I'm going to tell you who the most droppable player in fantasy is. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Garrett Wilson is 82% wow. rostered. He played a season-low 44% of the snaps. He played 56% of the snaps in Week 5. And his next three games are against the Broncos, Patriots, and Bills, and then a bye, and then the Patriots again. Garrett Wilson has 76 yards on 15 targets in his last three games combined. He is 82% rostered. That is an injustice. He should be dropped. I don't hate the take, Adam. Um, I will say this. I think part of that route, you know, part of the snap share there has to do with the fact that the Jets were ahead by so much in both of these past two weeks, which won't be the case every week for this Jets team. That's a game script thing. But even so, even if they're, you know, even if snap share goes up, I don't feel that confident in him right now. I don't feel that confident in the Jets passing game. He's playing less than the other guy. He's playing less than Davis right. and Moore. He is playing less than Davis and Moore, too, already, despite yeah. the fact that Moore is not getting any targets, which is a whole other issue. I just think that Jets passing game is is not going to reach a, a certain level it needs to for him to find consistency with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Who wins the Super, who wins the Super Bowl, Giants or Jets? <laughs> well, they're combined, what, nine and three right now, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, just unbelievable. These New York teams have been the worst combined record since 2017 in yeah. the NFL, and now they're 9-3. and three. But uh, Super Bowl, if the Giants played the Jets, give me the Giants. Okay, if I agree. Uh, my right. last stat, Kyle Pitts ran 14 routes last oh, week. The Pitts. That ranked 30. Yes, it was. That ranked 32nd among tight ends in week six. <sighs> they just don't throw the ball. They're too good. They're much better than we thought. Yeah, they're too good. They are. And yeah, I, I go, caught the touchdown, but 19 yards. So I don't, I don't know that there was much to be much to be pleased with with Kyle Pitts, even though he scored. No. There's not. You, it, and the, the problem is it's now carrying over to Drake London, a player who we love. We talked about a lot yeah. earlier. Talent's there. But when you're throwing the ball this few time, this many times a game, it's hard to have production out of anyone there in that passing game. Did you have any more stats you wanted to throw out? A couple more. One thing that I just thought you'd find interesting, Adam, and maybe the listeners would as well, because I just think it's so unexpected. Okay. I'm going to tell you a team, Adam, that's top 10 in the following categories that you would have never expected. And let's see if you can guess them. One, total points, total scoring. Two, points per play. Three, total yards, top 10. And four yards per play. Who is that offense? Falcons. That could be the case. There may be multiple offenses who qualify for here. That's not the one I'm thinking. It's the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. And, and Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, who we made fun of all offseason. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And they're top 10 in points, points per play, yards, yards per play. And the, Bailey Zappi has played two and a half yes. games. And Brian Hoyer right. has started. I mean, it's amazing. And I think they are among the leaders. Here are the teams that have the most completions of 25 or more yards. I assume the Broncos will pass the Patriots tonight. They're one behind. But number one, tied for one, is Buffalo and Kansas City. Number two is the Patriots. It's pretty crazy. They're, Unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. And one more one more I want to throw out there that we missed a little bit earlier, but I think is worth talking about. There are a couple interesting statistical trends for the Giants this week in their victory over the Ravens. I want to start with rookie Wandell Robinson, who, again, I've been probably calling out for the last three weeks to stash on your benches. I hope you had him because things are going to get a lot better fast for him. And they weren't so bad in his what I call his debut this week. I mean, he did play in week one. He played 10 snaps for all 100 percent of the snaps. The first team offense got injured. Now he's back. He was on the field at him for 35 percent of passing plays, which is not a lot. They're obviously like working back and slowly. But he had a 36 percent target rate on those plays, which is insane. It's too number. small of a sample size. OK, it's not. Sure, just, maybe you say that What are four targets. But, yeah, but as I've been saying, he is going to operate in that Richie James role, yeah. and it's going to be that Richie James role on steroids because one thing he did that Richie James didn't do was command a 9.3 A dot average depth of target. So he can be used more, and that includes his touchdown, which had like an A dot of one or 0.1 yeah. because it was just a short pass that brings it down. So I really too, think you could be too getting, few targets. Too few I can't, targets. Go, I can't go through these stats with with too few tar with these few targets. You know? Okay. Okay. How well, about it's the same Daniel thing Bellinger. with Tony last year? I mean, Tony had this amazing target per route run rate. It just wasn't enough targets. Mm -hmm. That's fair, and that could be the same problem as we're running into with the Falcons, where they just simply don't have 
Uh, no, you know, I didn't mean pass it. attempts to go around. I did that. That could be the case for the Giants, but I just meant yeah. specifically for Wando Robinson. He just didn't play enough and have enough targets for me to care about his his rate stats on those okay. targets personally. That's fair. What about somebody like Daniel Bellinger, who played the highest percentage of snaps he has in the season? Really, just played now at full. It was ninety six percent, I believe, or ninety eight percent full tight end one role. Yeah, I, that's great. I think low. I think deeper leagues. You know, he's. Look, man, like they just don't throw in. They've they thrown throw for more than two hundred yards once. They're yeah. they're not yeah. a bad passing offense per se, because you know, like they're they're not embarrassing themselves, but they they just don't throw that much and they don't Fair. throw the ball downfield ever. So I have a hard time getting too excited about any giant. Now, if Tony comes back, I think that maybe could change with Robinson. That maybe you got finally some speed out there. But yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna stand by Robinson as All a right. fantasy asset, not Bellinger. Bellinger's a deep league tight end, so dead. But Robinson, I think, can be the key cog in that offense. Before we get into our big topics, I gotta just say a personal thing right here. If anybody yes. likes me, I need you to help me tonight. I need you. Oh. I have maybe four or five leagues on the line tonight, and they are all about Cortland Sutton because he is my most rostered player. And all of my Sutton teams right now, it look like they're in winnable or losable games. So I need it, baby. I, if, you, if you don't have to root against Cortland Sutton tonight, do it with me. Everybody, Cortland Sutton, big game. Like, if he gets 23 points, that would be amazing. If he gets 15 points, that would probably still be good enough to, to at least win most of them. So, let, like, let's get Cortland Sutton with a good, if a great game would be amazing. Please. I need everybody with your good vibes. Throw them out there for Cortland Sutton. Quite the I, assumption of you, Adam, to think that anybody likes you on the show. Uh, you know, I think there are <laughs> a few kidding. people. Everybody loves you out on there. the show. Just kidding. But I will say this. If you do love Adam on the show or just like, instead of rooting for Court and Sutton, why don't you do something that's going to help us even more? Hit that like button. Oh. You might be watching right now. Very we smooth. have over 500 people watching, according to our advanced analytics on the back end. <laughs> Only 60 likes. Come on, guys. Come that's on, ladies good. and gentlemen. That's a very Bring low. That up to 100. If, we ever go tri- if we don't ever go triple digits, we might just like Sopranos you and just cut to black at some point. Uh, yeah, so, not a good like per route run right there. Oh, wait, I just spoiled it for Adam, who's never, he's probably. I I'm saw sure the last scene of the Sopranos, yeah. Ew, you watched the last scene, but not any of the rest of the show? Basically. All right, let's, I, we got to go here. I, I, I got to, you know, I got to go to the vet today. I got to, I got to busy. I got to take, take, the, day I gotta take the cat day. to the vet. So I need to hurry up here on these big topics here. We already talked about mm-hmm. the Cardinals. Let's go to the Packers. Uh, okay. OJ Weber says, are the Packers running backs worth starting anymore? I think we have the chance for a potential squeaky wheel gets grease situation this week with Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers specifically said he needs he thinks Jones needs to get 20 touches per game. Um, and then he said that's the right balance for the offense. Jones doesn't have a single 20 touch game this season, despite being obviously quite clearly their best skill player on offense. So I think that Jones is going to have a squeaky wheel gets grease week. It's a narrative. It's hard to go down narrative street and get and feel too confident at him. But I think they realize that they need to figure out a way to get him more involved. He's their best playmaker at the skill position, but at the skill on their skill positions by far right now. So I, I would still trust Aaron Jones. I do not trust AJ Dillon. Uh, just a couple of news items coming in here. Rashad Bateman yep. close to returning. Gus Edwards could play Sunday against the Browns or maybe that following Thursday at Tampa Bay. Yeah, Aaron Jones, here are his targets per route run last four seasons. Because he's running a ton of routes. Like I said, he's got the seventh most routes run by running backs. Targets per route run last four seasons, 22.1%, 24.9%, 20.8%. This year, it's 16.9%. If it just got up to 20%, you know, that could really make a difference. Um, target share is not that much lower, but it's still the lowest it's been in the last four seasons. dot is way down. His dot is negative this year. And it's usually not high, but it's negative. It's not, I mean, it's never more than like three. But yeah, so got to get him going in the passing game. My concern is, I mean, you just look at like his role since his injury last year, mm-hmm. right? Aaron Jones gets hurt kind of midway, a little bit later than midway through the season, comes back. This is kind of what it was. You know, he was splitting with A.J. Dillon fairly evenly. And they, I think they were scoring a lot of touchdowns then. And they're not scoring any touchdowns now, really. I mean, A.J. Dillon has one touchdown this season. It came in week one. What does Aaron Jones have? Two? Did he score both right. of them against the Bears in, in week two? Both in week two, yep. He's got one game with more than 15 PPR fantasy points. He has four games with, like, fewer than 11, I think, PPR fantasy yeah, points, Aaron Jones. So I don't know about that 20-touch thing. I love the fact that he said that, that, that Aaron Rodgers said that. But I, it, it's been it's been 
since the end of last season, except for that playoff game. Remember the playoff game? Aaron right. Jones had a ton of catches. He had that long touchdown catch. So basically, AJ Dillon is a sit. There's no question. I think I'm still, I am still going to start Aaron Jones. I just, I don't feel like I have better options. So I feel like he's a number two running back and it's been so good. He said it right, like on HQ today. He's been so good for the last three years. Let's not let six games define him. Get him more involved. Yep. He, he, he can be a league winner. Okay. Ruben says, sell high on which players before the floor drops? Yeah, that's a good one. We, we missed the opportunity on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, obviously, so you got to rule him out now. Jeff Wilson, we might have missed the opportunity there to sell high as well there. But what do they have in common? And so right. this is what I like to say about this topic. I don't love it because I don't want to give away productive players. There just are not enough of them. So you have to go to someone that you're just not buying. I found this one to be a difficult one to answer. Same. I was going to say Zach Ertz, but that's off the table now. So I thought about I thought about Clyde Edwards-Elair. I thought about James Robinson. I thought yeah. about Jeff Wilson. And what do they all have in common? They are sharing. Well, Wilson wasn't really sharing, but... Wilson was not involved in the passing game. Robinson is barely involved in the passing game. Wilson and Robinson, quite game script dependent. The uh, The Jaguars got off to a pretty good start. Wilson and Robinson also kind of big play dependent uh, yes. to a degree, certainly with Robinson. Clyde, the role is all over the place. It's not to say that Clyde's never going to have a good game, by the way, rest of the season. We just noticed that this is probably going to be the peak of his value. So I was thinking, you know, who is in a situation where they're coming off a game, the game script was perfect for them. Yeah, Devin Singletary comes to mind. Um, he was facing the Chiefs who give up the most receiving production, and he had four catches. He is definitely the guy in the backfield. There's no question. He's not sell high because he's going to sink me, but Devin Singletary has one touchdown this year, and he's going to struggle with that, I think. Um Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a star for now, but not only is Damian Harris going to come back, but... Ty Montgomery is going to come back at right. some point. I like him as a potential sell high based on the role change. Yeah, I think you got to get a lot because he really could win you. I don't know right. if Damian Harris comes back. Maybe Damian Harris comes back this upcoming week. I don't know. But as long as Harris is out, Ramondre Stevenson could win you the week every week. Like he could be Alexander Madison basically, and then obviously better than that when you know when Harris comes back. Zeke is another guy. I know we got Detroit and Chicago coming up. I know that it's great, but again, I. Pollard's there. Zeke had what? Uh, he had 13 carries last night. Pollard had 11. I like the Zeke sell high. I just think it w I would wait for Detroit. That was my only take. That was the only wait for after Detroit. Equation. After Detroit, right? I don't dislike any of these guys. By the way, Alvin yeah. Kamara is an interesting one. I think you got to be pretty damn deep at running back to consider it. But if you could get Jamar Chase for Alvin Kamara or. Um, Right. Aaron Jones and Michael Pittman for Alvin Kamara. Maybe you'd think about that. Here's why. Kamara has not scored this year. I don't think he's the goal linebacker. He's part of it, but Taysom Hill's definitely part of that mix. Mark Ingram could be part of that mix. And six catches in two straight games for Kamara. Uh, no Michael Thomas. Chris Olave right. out. No Jarvis Landry. Andy Dalton was the quarterback. That could change. So the passing role could change for Kamara. I still think we're talking about no worse than a second-round value. But he also has this lingering rib issue that's mm -hmm. taken him out of two games. So he's a guy that I, I think is playing like a top-five overall player the last two weeks. If you can turn that into you know, something awesome. Again, I'm not saying Kamara stinks. I think the last two weeks were great situations for him, and it could get worse going forward for Kamara. Um, and then Gabe Davis is interesting. Still not a lot of targets. The last two weeks have been great matchups for him. I did look at three of his next four opponents, and three of them are giving up a lot of big plays through the air. Air yard big plays. And that's what I, what could really help Gabe Davis. So I'm hesitant. He might just be breaking out. Again, right. all of these guys I like. It's not like a Clyde edwards Ealer situation where I think he's still kind of like a mid-round pick. I like them all. If you can turn them into something great, my guys would be Devin Singletary, now, he's more like Clyde Edwards Elaire. I don't think he's going to be a star. Singletary, Ramondre Stevenson, Zeke, Kamara, and Gabe Davis. What do you think? I think the I I mean, look, I, I can get behind all those besides Gabe Davis, despite the fact that, look, 
what I'm about to say does align with trading a player like Gabe Davis. I just think it's different when you have those big play threats like Davis on top offense. It's similar to like how Deshaun Jackson was years ago in fantasy, an asset that you can have. You may not get every week production, but when you do, it's spike weeks that can help you win long term. But I think the general rule for me when trying to find sell highs, Adam, is find the guys who are scoring a lot of touchdowns. At a, at, a, at a rate that is not sustainable. Touchdowns are the number one thing that can request. And you got to look for volume that can change based on injuries and based on different situations that evolve due to the injuries. So a player like Kyle Edwards-Alaire was such a sell high, and we, we made that clear because his role wasn't very good from a participation standpoint those first few weeks, but he was just scoring every week. So you want to look for those guys who are scoring in bunches, have a back-to-back week where they score either one or two touchdowns in one week, one touchdown in the other, and look to sell those guys. And obviously you should also look to sell the guys that may see their role change coming back. Like Mike Williams, some people might view as a sell high potential because when Keenan Allen's back, his role changes and his production might go down as well. So I would look for those things, guys who are scoring a lot of touchdowns at a rate that can't sustain, that isn't sustainable. And then guys whose roles could change based on injuries and different situations evolving. Caleb Skaggs asks, this just feels like an awful start for all offenses across the league. Do the stats agree? And this is where I got to go get Jacob's notes here because he gave us some great notes on this. Yep. Um, With a TLDR being yes. With a TLDR being yes, you're right. Scoring is down. It is down. I think I have the wrong thread here with Jacob. I I can probably pull this up as well while we're doing it. I don't know where this this went. I should have put this in my notes. I apologize to everyone. It's Uh, okay. But I can. you you look it up. I'm going to give some stats while you look it up. Ready? Sure. Here are the amount of quarterbacks who are averaging 21 points per game in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Eight. There have been at least 11 in each of the previous four seasons. There are only eight this year. Quarterbacks averaging 21 points per game. Running backs averaging 15 PPR points per game. A little bit down. The last five years, it's been 12, 14, 15, 16. This year, it's 12. So it's down four from last year. Wide receivers averaging 15 points per game. Basically the same this year as it has been each of the last four, each of the last five years. Now five straight years uh, where we've had 18 to 21 wide receivers averaging 15 PPR points per game. The big difference is at quarterback. Quarterback production has been much worse. Uh, Jacob, you know, talked about how 20, 2020 and 2021 were amazing offensive years. And maybe we're just back to right. what normal should look like. Um, but the but we, what, did you find the note? Yeah, the notes are, are, are as follows. For 2015 through 2019, teams were averaging 1.88 points per drive. So that's a pretty solid sample size there, five seasons. In 2020, 2.18. In 2021, 2.03. And now so far in 2022, it's bounced all the way back down to that sustainable, you know, that five-year average of 1.88. It's now 1.90. So there has been a clear dip from the last two seasons, but it kind of aligns more with what we saw from 2015 through 2019. But he, he also said that some of the things that offenses were doing in 2020 yeah. and 2021 to increase scoring, pre-snap, pre-snap motion, going for it more on fourth down, those types right. of things, they are still doing that in 2022, which gives us hope that scoring could rebound, right? Yep, exactly. There's far, there was far more pre-snap motion, uh, more go for the go for it rates were higher, increased play action usage, which leads to more points, increased shotgun usage, which leads to more points, and slightly increased first down pass rate. That still needs to come up across the NFL. But what I contend, Adam, is the one thing that we've seen that's been true for the first four weeks of the season, it was is pronounced, and, and this this has kind of continued on this trend throughout the last two weeks is schematically speaking, defenses are playing a lot differently than they did this past yes. two seasons. Yeah. And that's a big factor in this. You have more defensive coordinators coming from the Brandon Staley tree. And the and that's not even where it started. Brandon Staley's an offshoot of that tree. But the idea is zone coverage, two safeties over the top, middle of the field open instead of middle of the field close, which leads, and by that I mean middle of the field open means you have two safeties split or sometimes three safeties split. Um, and cover three, which wouldn't be middle of the field open, but versus middle of field close is one safety over the top. And you kind of have the opportunity to hit deep passes on the left or right side on the boundary. But when you have two safeties over the top in the middle of the field open, there really isn't much opportunity to kind of create big plays in the passing game on the deep end. And more defenses are moving toward this style of defense to keep everything in front of them. Um, as we've seen throughout the NFL this season. And that is just going to specifically lead to a lot, a lot fewer explosive plays per game. 
Okay, yeah, that's a, that's the adjustment. I think it started kind of the middle of last year and it's carried yep. over this year for sure. Um, I made the joke that if the Chiefs' safeties were playing any deeper yesterday, they would have been in the end zone against the Bills. <laughs> um, you saw the strategy there, and then they ran, and they ran the ball as much as they did. You know, and Just, that comes from its coordinator Steve Spagnuolo for the Chiefs that doesn't want to do that. He wants to play, you know, single high middle field closed looks and blitz often. But he even himself had to adjust, and we've seen that throughout the year. These specific game plans, the Ravens did it last week to take away big plays from the Bengals. So I feel like we're gonna get that. We're gonna get that consistently moving forward. All right, last topic here. Our five favorite albums. Oh, yeah. I, you think I struggled with the sell high. I struggled big time with this. In fact, I'd probably have a completely different list tomorrow if you asked me. But what are your five favorite albums or just your top five albums, however you want to define it? I'm with you. This is a tough, tough thing to do. So let me start by just breaking down one of my favorite bands ever, which is Led Zeppelin. Um, now, this is I the hardest I hate Led Zeppelin. Oh, my God. I cannot Why? stand Led I Why? think I can't stand his shrieky voice. I like. I don't like Smashing Pumpkins. I don't like Guns and Roses. Smashing I don't pumpkins. like. It's not even relatable. No, it's the shrieky, shrill voice, and it's so funny coming to me because I coming for me because I know I have like a high pitched voice, <laughs> but I can't stand those vocals. I'm, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go fast through the Led Zeppelin pick. For me, it is physical graffiti. It is tough. I love House of the Holy. Led Zeppelin 1 through 3, even 4 is amazing. This is just an unbelievably elite band. But physical graffiti has just some absolute bangers on it. House of the, Ho House of the Holy, Kashmir, In the Light, Trampled Underfoot, Custard Pie. There's just so many. The Rover, great album. Very so I'll go interesting with pronunciation of the word Kashmir. Yeah, I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Kashmir. <laughs> How's it supposed to be pronounced? Kashmir. You said Kashmir. It was very, very strange. But... <laughs> okay, okay. I've been known to have weird pronunciations, so that'll continue on. I'll move forward with some more niche picks here. Uh, well, then I'll, I'll go with the non-niche. I'll go with the Almond Brothers, Eat a Peach. I will say if you're looking for the best Almond Brothers content, though, which is my favorite band of all time, you should just rock the Live at the Fillmore East album which is just absolute fire banger after banger Dwayne Allman just trading off licks just as good as it gets from a guitar standpoint really there with Dwayne Allman and Dickie Betts just trading off um so I'll go there number two number three I'll, I'll start to hit into the niche here with uh My Morning Jacket I'm gonna go with Z for My Morning Jacket I think It Still Moves is probably the best album for what I like but it still moves has a couple misses on the back half Z as as an as a whole is just such an interesting unique rock experience and the album really flows well together so i'll go z my morning jacket number three number four favorite worst nightmares arctic monkeys unbelievable album just has everything you want there another album that's so good start to finish and then i'll close out adam with five uh lifestyles of the poor and dangerous by big l okay i have no I'm idea sure you never heard of never that one, right no okay never. that's a niche pick as well okay all right by the way it's funny late 90s rapper uh, the guy who uh, you know who said um, Kashmir called me Iser for like the longest time. So you know, me? yeah, yeah. Well, I told you I grew up with an Iser. Okay, yeah, I grew right, up well, with you know, uh, my top five is really bad list. I'm almost embarrassed because yours was really impressive. But I'm not really an album guy. I, what I, I was that mean. I, I like music and I would listen to songs that I like, but you couldn't really convince me to listen to a lot of albums because I don't. Okay. Yeah, if if there are songs that I don't like, I really hate listening to songs that I don't like, and I don't like most songs. So I, <laughs> you know, if there'd be so many, I, I don't know, classic you're like rock, a, you're a like, like Tom guy. Petty, you're like a playlist. I'm a, I'm a greatest hits album kind of guy. Like Tom okay. Petty, love Tom Petty. I love it all. Of Tom Petty hits, but I, I pretty much never listen to any album start or finish. I think I did uh, Damn the Torpedoes a few months ago for the first time I listened to it for the first time, but, you know, start to finish. But I'm not really an album guy. But anyway, my favorite albums, I just did the ones that kind of influenced me when I was in okay. middle school, high school, college. So number one is Chili Peppers, Stadium, Arcadium. Oh, that's amazing. Double album. Love it. Amazing, that album. Oh, I good. can't believe I didn't pick that. Yeah. What a miss by me. I, I mean, you could say Californication... No, Stadium Arcade. Yeah, I like Stadium Arcade better. That's but the one one. Californication had the hits that really made me a Chili Peppers fan. But okay. uh, the self-titled Sublime album, 
Yeah. You know that one? It's got What Good I Got pick. and Santeria. It said wrong Good way. Uh, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Listen to that. Whoa. Every day of my life. And when I was in seventh oh, grade, okay. never stopped listening to that. And if you had been my <laughs> that, age. That explains a lot. You would you would have too. What does that explain? That is, <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know. I just wanted to like, see where you would go with that. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with that. I mean, that is a <laughs> classic album. Absolutely incredible. If you were my age, you would have. Everybody my age listened to that every day. I'm only joking with you. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I guess I was like 12 when that came out. You were seeing the Alanis Morissette Curb Your Enthusiasm episode? Yes, yes. So <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, this one is weird. This one kind of got me into rock music. Everclear, So Much for the Afterglow. And don't know that one at all. The first three I knew, I do not know that one at all. Everything to Everyone, you ever heard that song? Probably if you sang it, but we don't know that. I'm not going to sing it. That. <laughs> and then this one's a little embarrassing, but I can't lie. I love this freaking album. I saw the band play one of those concerts where they play an album start to finish, and it was one of my favorite concerts. Third Eye Blind, self-titled Ooh. album. Okay. Uh, it's got... What's wrong with that? Why got, is that I can't lie? I feel like it's a good album. I, I Well, it's a little... People make fun of me for liking people Third Eye Blind. Of it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, but... I didn't know well, that. Okay. It's got Semi-Charm Life. It's got yeah. Jumper. I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. graduate. How's it going to be? What an album. Yeah. You like it's 90s rock? I mean, right. It's just bangers on there. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate your support. <laughs> yeah, I support these picks fully. And I was very impressed with you. You went real classic rock there, and it was that was good my stuff. My jam. I'm a jam guy. That's good. You should start playing guitar, man. Me and Chris play. Uh, in the do you play? Yeah. For twenty wow. far four years, I think I've been wow, playing. Wow, we might need to put the how have we not streamed this at any point? Yeah, I'm not, good, I'm not good enough, but you know. Ooh, well, but can you let us be the judge of that? I could tell you. I mean, I, if you don't play guitar, you think I'm good. If you, yeah. if you did play guitar, you know I'm not That's fair. <laughs> it's one of those situations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out of here, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Um, we will talk to you tomorrow with Wave of Wire on Fantasy Football today.